Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Good Night's Rest In, an actual play podcast for various tabletop RPGs. Today is going to be our first episode, including role-playing. I personally, Derek, uh, <laughs> your host and innkeeper, have been playing tabletops for 10 plus years. I've probably been GMing maybe, like literally maybe a year less because I became a forever GM, but I, I love it. I love the creative process, so I don't mind. But I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to my players and co-hosts. And if you guys could go ahead, since this will be our first role-playing episode, why don't you go ahead and give uh, what kind of experiences you come from? Played any other types of games or how long you've been at it? Well, I'm Tyler. I'm also a very long-time player as well as DM for mostly Dungeons & Dragons 3.5. I've also played Pathfinder, I've played Shadowrun, I've played Iron Kingdom's RPG, both the 3.0 slash 3.5 as well as the 2D6 system. Oh, the number of games I've ran to succession and to failure. Oh, there's too many. I hear that. All right, cool. Hey everyone, my name is Chris. I'm probably the newest role player to the group. I've been playing on and off for probably like six months. And so two of those months I played Dungeon Crawl Classics, which is this really weird system. But I fell and couldn't walk up the hill to my GM's house. I took a break and for the last four months I've been running with these guys playing D&D 5e. Cool, I guess that leaves me. This is Nick again. I have been playing tabletop games for, I don't even know, the last 48 years or 49 years at this point. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've been playing for like, what, six years? Five? five? When, when did we start? 2016? It's been that long already? Yeah, so so six years? Right before the Cubs won the World Series is when I've been, is when I've been playing. But anyways... Um, is, is- a marker, not not your child. Well, no, because she was like, "This fun." No, this no. But the Cubbies, man, the Cubbies won the, <laughs> the Cubbies won the series. <laughs> but yeah, so I've, I've been playing that long. I started in Five E with these most of these fine gentlemen. Then also have played a Starfinder, also with these fine gentlemen. I think that's it. Now, now we're well, actually, now we're playing Tunnel Goons. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Take it away. Awesome. The first thing I wanted to do is just clear up anything that may have been left blank in the previous episode as far as mutations or items or anything like that. I know, Tyler, you had two custom items, so if you kind of wanted to start. And then I don't know if you had like a cloak style or a cloak color already. As for cloak, like... uh... Is is it literally anything that you sort of want, or does it have to be like mono monochromatic? I would like to do. Oh, you mean just in color? Yeah, I would like it if it was mostly monochromatic, and then yeah. like maybe just included detail. I for some reason thought you were going to ask me how it looked, and I was going to say maybe something like the destiny items that make their character unique or whatever. So like you know, for a hunter, it's maybe. Not necessarily cloak, but just the hood and cape or whatever. All right. I was going to have a mostly black cloak with some purple trim on it. And it's mostly a shoulder cloak that has a tie to the front that holds it upon me. Okay. And then 
your character, we kind of were talking about like this changeling. Yeah. For your erudite extra point. Mm hmm. And then do you have a name? Adrian LeBeau. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and write that down. Apple Bay, if you want to go ahead and get started on yours, it'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, I guess I would picture my guy wearing a, an all-white cloak with black trim. Kind of kind of the look that I was going for, mm-hmm. with a white beard, as it were. Because I was, I was looking back through, and I was the... Let's see, I was a wheel rat. Yeah, I think I think that's what... That's what mine was, right? A wheel rat? Yeah, it was a wheel rat and a caravan drifter. So we were kind of right. talking about this Mad Maxy vibe to your character. I actually wrote a note about Gralia that I kind of hope would riff off of your idea if you want to hear it. Sure, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Gralia, surprisingly, given that it was a funny idea, I have probably the most notes for. Mm-hmm. One of the notes that I have is going as far back to the end of the world as possible. Goralia, you know, kept to themselves and they grew this tree border like you had talked about. Mm -hmm. And I would say that one of the tolls of the bell, as it were, to kind of signal the end of the Ice Age is Goralia's biggest volcano erupted. Oh, wow. Okay. And I have written down that it's maybe the name of the volcano is just Goralian for the Crimson Summit because they're not super they're not hyper creative people makes sense but I, I don't know if you wanted to come up with the silly name for it because you're a much funnier man than i yeah <laughs> I, li- I like that that makes sense okay they, they seem to be a people that you know just are literal with things yeah okay. hey what's, the, then, <laughs> what's that red mountain yeah yep these mm-hmm. the yeah exactly <laughs> the second note that i have is that the miasma reacted with this with this explosion and because Grawlians were the closest there and, and infusing the miasma with ash and magma, this only proved to be a tough environment for Grawlians to live in, but also evolve very rapidly because of their genes. I was thinking maybe something like the ash started to fuse to them, and that's maybe why your character is tough, like like mutant reasons of tough. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. And so I was thinking kind of in the line, not necessarily, I mean, obviously the origin isn't the same, but I was kind of thinking in the lines of like Ganassi or Goliaths in Dungeons and Dragons where they're environment just makes them tougher. I think that was a big, a really cool big part of the theming that you brought in for Gralia, and I wanted to riff on that. Cool. Yeah, so like Goliaths, they're they're pretty big, right? Or Yeah, they're yeah. they're already like eight feet tall, I think. Sweet. Or yeah, I'm into approaching, it. I'm into it. approaching that. Yeah. I mean for for well you guys know, but for everybody else, I usually play like really small characters. So I think playing something the complete opposite of that will be uh will be pretty exciting. I'm gonna awesome. play a, a large character like a small character. He's yeah. only been around he's only been around smaller creatures his whole life and so he's like he just assumes he's like you know 4 foot 2. <laughs> it's like bro you're 8 10 500 pounds what are you talking about? The last note I have is a multi-pointer because it's a lot of the culture that Gralia eventually became. Okay. And I wanted to run this by you because you gave the Gralian details and I think I think you should have the final say obviously. 
and I also want to hear what the other guys have to say. So point A is I really thought the idea of the elder trying to impart knowledge and it being taken either literal or in this weird muscle-headed way, like tough man way, and then not, and then that becoming a staple in the culture. Just over and over again, generation after generation, a wise man attempts to go like, guys, do this. And so then they they take this as law and it becomes part of the culture, but they also take it in this meat-headed way. And so they have these arbitrary rules that we can, of course, don't we don't have to go over now. I just thought that was a funny idea. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I like that. that and then and then as far as I wanted to combine the caravan drifter idea into Gralia's like culture, I wanted to kind of like get into that part. And so I was thinking that probably due to the miasma and the volcano explosion and stuff, a lot of the beasts on Gralia probably became very big or very tough over time. Okay. Yeah. That I mean, so that makes sense. I wanted to combine Jurassic Park with the Fast and the Furious, and essentially Grawlians tame these big creatures. And part of being the biggest and the toughest is having your fast thing that you ride. Okay. Yeah, I could dig that. <laughs> or like the caravans are pulled by these big creatures, <laughs> or whatever. Or like there's this subculture of ones that want to go fast, or like whatever. <laughs> just, just trying to be uh i'm the fastest it ever was yeah so if we're gonna bring that logic in family must be a very important thing for Grawlians. oh i'm sure there's a family <laughs> rule <laughs> that you don't you don't cross just, just cracking long necks at a at a outdoor <laughs> fire pit and so then standing next to the, the last one. note I had is I wanted to include in your character's backstory, if I can, maybe the reason that they've started getting to the city probably very recently is maybe they lost one of the jewels and were exiled. Ooh. And rather than going rather than going to the island, they were like, you know, screw that. I'm still the biggest or the fastest or whatever. Like <laughs> <laughs> like I'll just come back, <laughs> right, right? I'll just go to the city and then I'll come back, or I'll prove that I'm the best, or whatever. The best around, <laughs> and no one gotta turn me down. I don't know, whatever. No However, it's ever gonna get you. Down. Yeah, that's the one. There you <laughs> go. I never, never do. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I dig it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm on board. Like I said, I had the most notes for Gralia because I thought that was so funny i just wanted to riff off of it so bad <laughs> nice yeah yeah i mean so far I, i'm i'm 100 into it the one thing that i'm not into though on the other hand is memory apparently and do you remember what i chose for the third category the third dice roll specifically what you got flee you fled which is kind of why i was thinking the whole right, right. exile okay. thing might be a good it might kind of wrap into that a little bit got it got it got it Cool. Sounds good. Also, for the record, it wouldn't be a uh, campaign that I'm a part of unless I forget every aspect of it, sure. including character names, locations. Speaking of character names, do you have one for yourself? Yeah. Uh, hmm. You don't. Maybe you could surprise us with it after yeah. Chris goes. I also have a quick question for Tyler, if you want to buy time. Uh, yes. Tyler, I just want to know where Adrian is from. I want to say that he was originally from... Not Kazakhstan. Did you want to go with Uranian? Oh, you want to go with Kastidian? 
because that's where all the trading happened. That would be where growing as he drew, grew into his less legal side, where all the commerce is happening. It's probably where he'd be making most of his buck, and then probably migrated to the town or the city, finding that that culture was more inviting. I guess for the type of person that he was. Yeah. Well, depending on what Chris ended up going with, I know he kind of kind of talked about the botany priests being a Castigian staple. I think that was a cool okay. idea. So maybe they knew each other, or maybe you helped him get out of there or something. But let's go ahead and hear from... Uh... Oh, he definitely owes me money. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I did um, uh, I, I did have a name. Oh, go for it. Character. Go for it real quick. Yeah. You ready for this? Uh-huh. All right. It's a first, first, middle, last type of situation here. First name, uh, Laphack. L-A-P-H-A-K. Laphack. Exactly how I put it first time. Yeah. Nailed it. There you go. Middle name, Wound Fist. Wound. I <laughs> love descriptive... how Mad Max this is going already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last name, Nalakigo. But no one ever says that. So they just they either call me Wound Fist or Laphack. All right. Yep. That's my uh, name. Stick it to it. Love it. It's a elf, dwarven, orcish damn name if I've ever heard one. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's a little it's a little uh it's a little, little of everything and I love, yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's a it's a long it's a long name. Just like uh that's ah, all right, I'll talk about that later. Go ahead, uh, Chris. That's fine. <laughs> we'll talk about that if it comes uh, up. Man. Ah man, you know, it does, but we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, let's see. <laughs> the hell kind of character am I rolling? <laughs> I remember my dude ended up with two erudite and one brawn. Right? And then kind of his backstory was grew up in the Castigian fleets. He was some kind of like born to some kind of mechanic family and then kind of showed this propensity or aptitude that the botanist priests really desired so he kind of got sent off to them so i imagined it as like kind of some sort of like boarding school you know or a monastery you drop the kids off and then you don't really see them till they get out yeah i love the idea of it being a monastery it has such a it has such a like lost techniques or lost technology feel like in warhammer where like they're not allowed to invent anything so they do this weird roundabout stuff or in mad max how they don't they don't call anything by the right thing, like waters, aquacola, or like weird stuff like that. I I like yeah. it. I like it a lot. Yeah. So like I think kind of like culturally, um, for plants, like especially like stuff that is edible or like some kind of sustenance is like very important for the community as a whole. And then that's why like these botanists are so important. Yeah. So like there's that kind of like agriculturally, just because they don't know. Like, obviously, they trade a lot because they're always moving, but then having their own source of food is, like, very important to them in something that uh, implements whatever they fish from the sea and something they know is very safe. Right. You know, because, like, uh, who knows what kind of miasma modification, modified uh, vegetation is out there. Yeah, so culture, that's that. But guy I'm playing will go by the name of Cooper Jibin. And he's he's gonna be pretty young. He's gonna be like a teenager, or like seventeen, so like an adult by Castigian standards, I'm gonna say. And he just is like really sick of the monastery. He wants to see the outside world. He doesn't want to go into the order and then just be sent out to help with these herbs or like 
learn about these medicines and apply it there. He just kind of like wants to do what he wants. So he's just a punk and kind of like whenever there, the fleet kind of touched down or like whatever ship he's on, he just kind of like went land, went to land and kind of like didn't get back on. I like it. And yep. And then what else do I need? Mutation? Items? Yeah, I don't think we finished what your mutation actually manifested as. I think it was one of your erudite stat points, but I don't think we finalized what gives him that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... It might actually... I think, yeah, I remembered incorrectly. <laughs> My memory is also not strong. So, Good thing we got I thought about his mutation, and like I think it's actually going to contribute to Skulk. So uh, I'm going to lose the point in Erudite. Because what I'm thinking is uh, Cooper just has I mean... like very highly articulated hands and feet. You know, and it just like they're incredibly dexterous and it just allows them to handle kind of like plants as they're growing and then kind of like the processing of them into medicine, just like very deftly. And so like probably as he was growing up, he was uh, working with a lot of like the smaller instruments. He was helping his family do that stuff. And then just because he's just like has so many joints that he can control very well, that was just kind of like his uh, shtick. Yeah, so that's going to be his mutation, just like the hands and the feet, a lot of joints, like a lot of nerve endings. So they're very sensitive. And then he just has like very good control over them. Okay. So that change makes it so that you have one in each stack, correct? Yep. Very balanced. Awesome. All right. And then to complement the, the hands, the additional item Cooper's bringing along is some leather gloves, some thick leather gloves, just because his hands are so sensitive and he wants to take care of them. And they kind of like keep people from looking. He's kind of shy about them. So like, doesn't matter how hot it is, he's just always wearing these gloves. So he can still like, the leather's breathable, he can still like control them really well. It's just, they look like regular hands when you look at them. Okay, awesome. And then do you have a take on your color? Currently, we have black with purple designs and a white shroud with black trim. White shroud with black trim? So it's just going to be just kind of like some dark brown, just like something kind of muddy, something kind of dirty. Almost like a monk's robe. And then just nothing special. Yeah. You know, it's just like really, really coarse, and it keeps him warm. Briar Cooper. Cooper Jiven, yep. A oh, Y Cooper? Friar. I was saying Friar. Oh, like, Friar Cooper. Like Friars? Yeah. Yep, yep. Get yourself a rope belt and a burlap sack. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe like that's air, a... Like Air Friar. <laughs> air Friar. Yeah, think about maybe. I'm sure there'll be like, I don't know, one kind of monk or maybe they're Friars, just like who just really headed out for Cooper. Like they just did not get along. Okay, yeah, I can definitely kind of start to come up with maybe a rigid structure that he could have rebelled against. Again, I don't necessarily know yeah, like, how deep we'll get into character stories. I'm going to try and like them in as best as I can. Yeah, but having I'm thinking definitely the monastery was very regimented. Having Cooper and Adrian know each other is a good first kind of step there. So that's really nice. You want to know okay. each other, Chris? Yeah, like, 
I'd imagine we're kind of like, did you come in as a kid or like, did you come in like later in your adult life? Like te- like, oh, my thinking? teenage years. Teenage years. Oh, okay. So probably like, probably closer to when I'm getting off. I was imagining Cooper kind of being locked up in the monastery till like he was initiated. And then like as an initiate, he just like was sent off to like do some kind of mundane delivery and he just never came back. So like I probably met you on the way out there, or if you did any kind of business with the, like on the fleet, like maybe I was, we knew each other there. Yeah, like, that makes uh, a lot of sense. Black market plants, <laughs> I was giving you the good shit. Heck yeah, brother! All right, sounds good to me. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you just hooked me up with something, and I just like made sure you get like the. Or I. If you were convinced that you didn't want to go back, or you were maybe thinking that people were going to come find you, I stowed you away. Oh, okay. Maybe I, I knew a place. I, I knew yeah. a place that I was probably holding out because somebody was after me, and I hadn't been found there yet. So I knew the feeling of being, you know, manhunted. So I took you in. Oh, I like it. I like it. Dash so, Yeah, like I don't. You're probably moving goods like within the ships. Yeah, and uh, I was the one who like kind of was responsible for your area, delivering you the stuff we had grown. Yeah, and either then... that or like you gave me a connection. Like you scratched my back and I scratched yours. Like you helped me out with something that I technically didn't have, but you supplied me with. And then mm-hmm. when it came back around, it's like, okay, you you need to get out. I I know an out. That, that okay. makes sense. You yeah, helped yeah, you with a deal. I helped you with getting out. Okay, that's my character is all about deals. Spicy. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I kind of knew, like, maybe you weren't going to come back for a while, and you're like, hey, like, if you help me out with this one last, uh, maybe it helped you get you whatever, one of your items, you know, like, one big deal, and yep. then, like, one last trade-off was, <laughs> yeah, you take me off, like, I'm guessing towards whatever Adventures Guild on wherever we're landing. Pretty much from, as far as I know from my character's backstory, or as far as I've, like, planned it, I have said, imagined that he was at Constitution for X period of time. Then he went to the city. So those are like okay. the two main places. Like Derek mentioned it earlier, like maybe by my earliest childhood, like somewhere between like eight and 10 or eight and 12, I was in your reign because a part of my childhood is I'm a desert urchin. So maybe I was living life there, said, F that desert. And ran away to Castigian and then developed more of my character and personality, I guess, there and illegal uh, activities. And by the time I was a teenager, then like, I've known so much about Castigian culture, namely the trades as well as the ocean faring business. So, and then started to like make that my hub. And then along came you. Sounds good. Yeah, I like that. It it plays into previously we had talked about Adrian being a bit of a drifter. Yep. So moving from place to place after this post-apocalyptic setting kicks in makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Just being attached just being attached to a person and then something happens and then just move along. Yeah. Makes sense as a changeling too, which is cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So Tyler and Nick, can you guys go over your chosen items? I think that was the only other thing. And then, real quick, Chris, on Cooper. On Cooper? One of your items is Lantern, I think we had gone over. 
And so one of the things that I was thinking to make this lantern special is I think it something is special about its fuel, either its fuel source or the flame itself. And I think it's part of the lighting that the monks used in order to grow plants in a dark setting. Oh. Hmm. So I think that, so like he probably never puts this out. Oh, it's in, like Charmander's tail. Yeah, in order to have this, yeah, secret technique or whatever until he can break it down or whatever. Okay, okay. I like it. So it would still function as a lantern, of course, because it still is fire, but I don't know if you want to like change its color or change something about it to give it this mystical kind of feel. Yeah. In order to explain how it emits UV light. I don't really know about, I don't really know anything about growing lights or anything like that. Yeah, let me think about it. Never going out. <laughs> it's a to... heat lamp. Yeah, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it just, I just have to keep blowing <laughs> into it. <laughs> yeah. But it's just a clamp lamp. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's like a yo-yo or something. I just need to keep, like, uh, throw it down and up. Keep it there spinning. we go. Yeah, I, get, I don't know. I'll put that one in, in the back of my head right now. Let me see, Let me think of it. How to incorporate that? It's nifty. I like it. Solar power? No, not solar power. Maybe solar power. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is like a, up and then uh, like, like maybe yeah. the monks believe it's a little chunk of the sun or something. I mean, you could even get crazy and say that that it's powered by. Oh my god, I can't remember the. I think it was astrophage. It's not it. As as like math, the asthma, oh, the miasma. Asthma. Miasma. It, right, you yeah, could say that that flame produced produced miasma, by miasma. miasma. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you could say that. that well, you could say that like there's a there was like a gas or something like that in there, and it's reacting with like a new element that's in the air that people don't or maybe do know about, and they're like it's this cool new element that just you know has a reaction that you're able to harness, yeah. whether or not you know Ooh. about it, you know. I like it. So, oh, okay. Like, let's say it's like maybe a fungus, and like sure. it just feeds off the miasma and it emits like heat or light yes. or like flame. Right. There we go. That, that's how they know kind of like their Science. crop is uh, pure, you know? So like it's not being uh, tainted by the miasma one, oh, for go. better or worse, right? Oh, so it even acts as a filter. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So they're, they're like using it as a filter and then um, Yeah, that could kind be a big like, deal if it got out and it wasn't just a yeah. monastery secret. <laughs> yeah. And the, the monks are like able to kind of like collect or shape this moss in such ways to like uh, like if it's super diffuse it just acts as a filter like the heat just kind of but if you like shape it in some way that's like kind of passed down then uh you can like make it open up into a flame and you know, kind of like a nozzle and then like uh that's it. why the hands, hands are so good yeah <laughs> okay there we go it all ties together it does like it. <laughs> let me catch these hands <laughs> cool yeah, I guess I can go. So for mine, I'm, I was kind of interested on the item. So I was kind of going through some of the, the documentation. There wasn't really too many specifics. Is that on purpose? Like it's kind of just an item that we have? Yeah, it's meant to be chosen. I think it's meant to be a little bit of a play into your combat style. Oh, okay. The tutorial mentions a character with a sword and shield, and I don't think a sword is part of the options. I could be wrong. 
Gotcha. But I don't know if it's on the roll table. Did it look? Did I just look past the? No. Okay. Well, anyways, I'll throw I'll throw mine out there. So what I was interested in having as my item, completely up to you, but I'll throw it out there, is I wanted to have a. It's like a two-part uh, lock, like a big old-style, like skeleton key-esque lock that, like, for me is normal size, but for everyone else is like aggressively large. And then just like a little lockpick kit, so like just a little like, or maybe like not even a kit, maybe just like a thing, like a, a something I've made that like is a little like just so like a practice lock. So I just sit there and kind of like a fidget thing where I just like practice locking and unlocking it, just as kind of like a little you know thing that i have i don't know so you want to have like just a pick and yeah and like a, I, I guess like that that was kind of my idea but i wasn't sure if that took i just assumed that we had like a weapon of some sort but if we actually need this item to be like a weapon or something more like useful because I, I was looking at the i guess it does just say an item of their choice yes on the on the rule sheet so that would be that would be the thing that we have well hmm yeah i guess i'm so used to like D D where you have like 85 things to start out yeah that's kind of the whole <laughs> like, point <laughs> start, start with a backpack yeah yeah i guess if that's the case i would probably have something a little bit more useful than than just a lock pick i would probably at that rate i mean we can't argue against a good set of thieves tools but yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking maybe just more like tools, tools. Yeah. Like I, I would have like, you know, like a wrench and that. I don't know, like a a, a multi-tool wrench, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So I like yeah, that. Maybe, maybe I'll go with something like that. It's a club slash wrench. Mm-hmm. That makes a ton of sense. I big old piece much, of metal. I very much wanted these choices to be influenced by your profession. So a wrench, sure. a big old monkey wrench makes a bunch of sense. Yeah. You know, I definitely wanted like a fisherman's hook or, you know, a wrench actually was a totally good. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, Cause I, I, I think I read that and I, I noticed that they had like other, we had, I don't know. I just assumed that we got like a, you know, an aggressive looking steak knife or something like you that. You may pick up it, some but... over time. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm, I will club somebody and take their sword. Gotcha. That's undoubtable. So, but yeah. <laughs> cool. Sweet. Wrench it up. Okay. I have two items. Mm-hmm. And this is one of my questions. So, let's say we chose a ranged weapon. Are, is the weapon and the ammo separate in terms of inventory? Oh, I would say... Well, what are you thinking? I guess is probably the better idea. Like, in my mind, because you said it, it should be maybe a weapon, I was thinking of a hand crossbow, and I'm not, like, it's because the, the the rules are obviously not that detailed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I was going to ask first, because obviously a quiver or a bolt pouch or, or anything like that would pe- technically be on my person, but it would be an inventory thing, so I don't want to sneak the game, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I mean, the game... Not, I have another weapon. The game rules are, you know, pretty sparse on purpose. I would yeah. say maybe if you'd be willing to downgrade it just a little bit and make it like a wrist rocket so that you always have just a, a rock to pick up and, and launch. Hmm. 
might be a good or like a just a classic sling might be a good way to avoid that issue but if you want to go the crossbow route i think that does make a lot of sense i don't think making a crossbow is too like technologically advanced obviously for this so i would say maybe a bolt case of 10 or 20 is what is an inventory score okay so if that make i mean again we so, can circumvent it a little bit by i'm always super huge on it but Let's go for the one that I definitely want. So the item that I want to say I got from my, I believe it was the during the war slash proving moment, mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, I said I profiteered. Knowing how my character profiteers from things, I want to say he stole something. And he did it, hopefully, when nobody was looking. He doesn't know. It was in the middle of the night, and he heard somebody had some goods, and he wanted that good. So. The good is a weapon, and I was hoping that we can make it a Nanothian cane sword. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 ornate and it it, it looks like a fancy cane. So it adds to like his the air that he puts on. Sure. And if he just you know unclicks it and then he has a sword. So no, but mainly that it's Nanothian, so that there's he doesn't know what he got, more or less. He knows of Nanoth, but he doesn't know what he mm. got. Okay. It looked pretty. He wanted it. And then I want to say his other his other item is a deck of playing cards. Okay. I like that. Yeah. It, it, it matches the person that I think of, of in my mind. Yeah. I have six items already. So uh, I need to be very careful about what else I pick up from here going on. Hey, yo. <laughs> so we can... <laughs> I guess we can go ahead and get started. So you guys, like I had said before, are coming in as a lowish level adventuring group. You guys have probably been with the Adventurers Guild for a little while now. I would say, Adrian, you probably had the connection immediately and kind of dragged everyone else into this. As far as the criminal aspect of the adventurers guild at this point it's still kind of in its origins so you know that there is the boss but you've never met him you guys have all only come into contact with a man named saul uh and he refers to himself as saul the magician oh. his mutation involves having his voice box slightly altered because his head is more shaped like a seagull. Oh. Alright. So, he's always been a bit of a bottom feeder, a bit of a shady type, but he likes you, and you like him for the most part. And he gives you missions from the boss. So, you guys take what you can get from Monty. Hmm. So, it's not like a bulletin board... Or anything, it's just like uh, we walk in and they're, they're like, you know, I got a job for you. And you say yes or no? Yep. Uh, okay. And where, where are we in the city? That's uh, So we will go ahead and are. pick up if or... we want to go ahead and like start to paint the picture a little bit as <laughs> of the RPG. We go ahead and we catch the adventurers. You guys probably have a team name, maybe like a little team nickname, but that doesn't have to be you know, established right away, of course, you probably more so have a team number 
that you are assigned. So, Never. oh, did you want to go ahead and give the number? <laughs> oh, no, no. I was going to ask, is this, are we all, are we all part of the same group? Because I, I know that you had said that, like, Tyler and Chris knew each other, but. I was going to say, like, did we meet Nick's character, Lapac, anytime recently? Or was he just said, yeah, yeah, this guy's working with you now because of the boss said so. Or was he just like a merc? He's just like, he jumps team to team until uh, he kind of finds one that suits him. Pack, I was I was thinking that Either your way. character has probably come into the city a lot more recently than the other characters. Okay. To be able to play you as the bit of a normal man kind of situation, or at least if he doesn't know stuff, it's it's more explainable. Okay. So yeah, right now I'm just kind of hanging out near you guys. I'm, I'm cool guy adjacent. Like, uh, maybe you guys have been getting jobs for the last couple months, maybe together as a, as a unit. I would say that Saul has been your connection in the city for a while now, Adrian. And then whenever you brought in Cooper is probably when you're when you guys probably started doing jobs, but weren't quite on the payroll just yet. And then now that you've rounded out your team you're more of an official taking missions from the boss kind of kind of thing. Cool. I can dig it. All right. But you guys, we're going to go ahead and we pick up on a more north western part of the small landmass that uh, that has the city. You guys are currently outside of the city. You're you're currently making your way back after a mission. And as you look around, it's a lot of the same kind of decay slash nature taking back over of the land ever since the end of the Ice Age. So parts of the city and around the city... Uh, or I guess the whole city and then around in pockets around the city, there isn't as much miasma or it has cleared away entirely. So a lot of these jobs that you guys go on are scrapper missions to go out to a place that may or may not be dangerous. Uh, Usually try and collect as many things as you can and then come back. You're coming back from a mission kind of like this when the miasma began to clear a little bit in this pocket that you guys have begun to investigate. There, It was a wide open space uh, with a lot of trees kind of, you know, pocking the landscape as they kind of just grew randomly. But you guys are currently walking away from what, a, what to the eyes of the viewer, I would say, if this is more like a cutscene or a, a movie is very recognizably the ruins of a plane or something like that. And you got like an airplane. Yeah. Like an airplane or okay. not, not like oh. some like fourth dimensional plane. No, <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, I guess I should have cleared that up. So this is a horribly crashed, buried and resurfaced ruins of what appears to be this ancient technology from before. So you guys are making your way from out of these ruins, and I would say, why don't we go ahead and make the first roll of the game? One of you guys go ahead and roll to see how that how that scrapping mission went. That uh, one d six. It's going to be two d six. 
2d6, okay. Oh, you want to roll it? Oh, was everybody rolling? No, I just, yeah, I, I just want one person to go for it. Okay, I rolled uh, double fours. Okay, Eight. and then so we, um, to kind of... Sorry, this is just for just to clarify, too, for the roll. So we're rolling two d6s for most generic rolls, and then is it advantage or is it combined? It's combined, and then you add the relevant stat, and you add the relevant... And then you get a plus one for any relevant item that you can bring into this. Ooh. Okay. So I would say that this is probably a skulker kind of thing to do to sneak around and try and look for things that look like they're worth anything. Okay. Uh, I do have double skulk, so I am skulk two. So that puts you up to Uh, a double power or double brute. Was I double brute? You were double brute. You were double brute one skulker from what I understood. Oh. Do you have that listed somewhere? Yeah, I wrote it down as double skulker one brute, but there you I, go. Never I, mind. I yeah, you're good. Uh, you oh, got you got one of each in your backstory, I think, and then your mutation. I believe you put it in brute because of your hard skin. Wait, yeah, am I, am I? Oh, you're you're right. I did. I think I I think I originally had it at skulker, and then I changed it. Mm-hmm. So changed. I I have, I have one of each though. I I could have sworn that I had, or rather, one brute one skulker. So you had one brute one yeah. skulker from your backstory. Right. And then right. and you then I... said you wanted hard skin as your mutation, which Derek said, hey, either do, do brute or do one plus HP. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yep. Because I had originally thought of something else, but cool. Well, then I have one skulker. Okay. So that puts you at a nine. Are there any items that you feel like Lap Hackway used in order to help himself during this? Mm. I feel like you may have a couple. Use me. Uh, the maybe. compass, maybe, right? With that, yeah, that definitely would play into getting yourselves around. And then I would say your wrench even counts for just demolishing or taking apart okay. pieces of scrap. Yeah, I'm into that. Cool wrench and my compass. So that is so just to go over your roll, you got double four, so it's an eight, and then you have one skulker, correct? So it's a nine, and then you have two items that are relevant which puts you at an 11, cool. which is a pretty big roll in Tunnel Goons. So yeah. this went there we go. This went pretty well. You guys are coming back pretty loaded with usable pieces of aluminum and maybe even a couple of like ransacked suitcases that may have survived whatever torching and crashing might have happened originally. And maybe you found a couple of knickknacks, maybe some clothes mm. that you can go ahead and bring back to the city, which is a it's a pretty successful haul. Nice. Well done. One of the other two, I'm going to say as you're coming back, I want you to go ahead and make a roll. I would say whichever one of you goes ahead and elects for it, kind of maybe describe how your character goes about scouting or staying at you know staying sharp or whatever as you as you make your way back to the city and that that'll help us figure out the relevant stat well i will always say this for a character uh for this character at least uh adrian if there's a beaten and walked path he is just off of it and forward 
So uh, he'll he'll walk through some brush if he needs to. He's he's not above getting his hands hands dirty, but he understands that if there's an ambush coming from anywhere, it's not going to be on the it's going to be on the sides of the main road. Hmm. So he likes to keep eyes out for stuff like that because it's happened to him and he's done it to others. Okay, so that definitely plays into Adrian Skulker. Are there any items that you have in your inventory that would that might be relevant to this? No, they don't. They don't have to be. So go ahead. Let's go ahead and call this a Skulker roll. So go ahead and roll three d six. Sure. That is a grand total of six and a one, so seven. You have one in Skulker. I have two. So I my res, my die oh, result was a six and a one. So a seven total for that, and then I have two. I have two skulkers. Gotcha. So that puts you at a nine. So, Adrian, as you lead your lead your group a little bit, like you had said, you're you're kind of used to keeping an eye out for what bad people might do because you've been there, or at least you've had that thought previously. So you lead on a on a small trail. Uh, just off the beaten path, you kind of try and use some of the pockmarked trees to block vision to the main road that kind of takes you back to the city that, that scrappers just kind of use back and forth. And you guys make your way towards the city, and eventually you come across another piece of this technology that has resurfaced. And as you as you take a look and this this has resurfaced a lot closer to the main road so because you guys are watching out and moving on the side paths you have avoided the detection of another small group of scrappers as you guys begin to look at these just more distracted individuals you can kind of hear a little bit of chatter back and forth but there's a definite muffle to it and as you kind of make your way a little bit closer, there's about five of these guys kind of surrounding some of them, two of them a lot more lax as they kind of stand with their bigger weapons and just kind of bitch back and forth. You can't really tell necessarily what they're saying, but they're watching they're watching three others as they kind of dig around this piece of technology. And so I'm going to say, Cooper, why don't you go ahead and give me an erudite role to kind of identify these goons? Sure. What time of day is it? Is my lamp useful? I would say that you guys are coming back as you guys knew the sun is setting soon, but you wanted to buy yourselves plenty of time. So I would say it might be starting to get orange or pinkish outside. Alrighty. So your lantern may prove useful as you get closer, but it may give you away. Yep. I'm going to say that the lantern is not useful at all. Okay. <laughs> all right. But I, I rolled pretty good. This game is nice because I don't own any dice. I've only played using other people's dice or online. And it's 2d6. And like I'm into like modern board games, and those just have d6. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So For sure. Yeah. That's so that's that pretty was really solid. Nifty. I could just pull it out of something I got nearby. So I rolled ten total, which is a really good roll. Yeah. On a, when you can cap out at twelve on a dice, and I have one in erudite, so I'm looking at an eleven. Yeah. Okay. So Cooper, 
you know religious individuals when you see them. A lot of times in this era, they're going to dress a little bit more eccentrically in order to display their status a little bit or kind of ward off others a little bit, if that makes any sense. So as you study these individuals, you can tell that the two larger ones are wearing these haphazard gas masks. In fact, one of the guys, you can tell the whole goggle, goggle on one side is broken. Like these definitely don't work super duper well. And then the others you can see are a little bit on the smaller side in a skinny way, not necessarily like they're shorter or anything like that, but they definitely seem a little bit more on the malnourished maybe side. But these guys are quickly digging and you can see that they have these veils on their whole head, like kind of if if it would like a nun whip it, but if it covered your entire get up. Um, and it they are blue to the point of almost being black. Okay. And when you take a look at this, I would say all of you can recognize these people once you've kind of been sitting there and looking at them long enough. But Cooper, you immediately recognize these guys as cultists of Nile. Nile? Yeah, which is the which is the doomsday cult that came out of Ninoth after everything kind of went to shit. Okay. All right, so they're uh, and they're recognizable because of these like wedding veil type. Yeah, deals. they they all of these all of the members who belong to this cult kind of have this vanishing of identity sort of in their in their mm-hmm. beliefs, so they wear these veils there's also a part of it you can you know also i'll say with the erudite role that you got maybe it was part of your surviving or somehow you figured this out or whatever but the veils and the gas masks that their enforcers wear and things along those lines are were originally meant to drive out the miasma but then it got to the point where you know the the cult of nile accepted the miasma and wanted more of it so now they need it okay so when they go when they go into pockets that don't have as much miasma they wear these veils they wear these gas masks because they have soaked themselves in their culture has been so steeped in the miasma at this point that they that they've almost gone backwards Alrighty, then kind of like seeing these guys i'll kind of like motion to Adrian and Lapak kind of just like whisper to them. It's like, hey, got some Nile loonies coming up. Well, I wonder what they are digging for. Seems like there's two baddies and then we got three little skin and bones. What do you think our our chances are against them? Is, uh, is that something we need to worry about? Only two, I think. The other three are probably too tired to put up much well, well all right you say so all right and then uh, just, just to help me understand there's like a meta thing like are, are we carting like our spoils from the ruins of the plane are we just like we got them in our rucksacks just they're like on our backs like uh a... that's interesting that's uh, i guess that's a question 
that more so involves what kind of prep you guys think you might have put into this. I would say a cart might be kind of hard to get your hands on, but as far as mm. transport, like, are you guys just kind of dragging one? Are you guys forcing lap to drag one big net <laughs> or are you guys all yeah, kind of I, splitting I, it in your bags or? I was going to say like a two wheeled wheelbarrow probably wouldn't be terrible. Yeah. You know, like a rickshaw kind yeah. of deal. I just assumed it's like, it was like the team's Hodor. I'd probably be carrying it around and <laughs> to yeah. some, to some regard. So, so maybe it. something like a rickshaw or like a wheelbarrow almost sure. that you guys are using. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I picture like those those big uh, like tripod wheelbarrows where you get two wheels in the back, one in the front, like t- like two wheels in the back as opposed to like wheelbarrows that don't have wheels in the back. But anyways, an old radio flyer wagon <laughs> full of scrap. Yeah. Right now. Oh, yeah. 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 Honestly, like a, a tiny like like two foot wide, four foot long like little thing with wheels. Just a, sure. just a little yep. enough to carry like food and clothes and you know stuff or or scrap that we find. Yeah. Yeah, I can okay. do that. I like we, it. We own a radio flyer. <laughs> Just a rusted out. I used to have a rusted out radio flyer as a kid, so that's always what I think of with post-apocalyptic settings. Yeah. Because uh, it's the perfect T2 Judgment Day <laughs> symbolism. <laughs> oh, I guess instead of like a cart, like a horse bolt cart, it could have been like a shopping cart. Actually. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Just bumming it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the world we live in. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, that just kind of helps me understand. Yeah, so maybe uh, maybe the the top part of a shopping cart that you guys have just tricked out lower on bigger wheels, so lap hatch and drag it. Tricked out shopping cart. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we got a couple guys like with mechanical backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. Building this, yeah. I definitely can see it. Yeah, building this okay. into my perfect cart. <laughs> Uh, so do does the general world say the Nile are not to be dealt with? Or the Nile are, are they... insane. They are a doomsday cult through and through. Their main beliefs involve the Great Devourer, which involves this extraplanar being thing that no one else really understands that it will eventually eat this planet. And every planet, for that matter. And so they see, they saw the miasma as the first tendrils of the devourer discovering this world. And so they just went batshit when when everything went down. Oh, okay then. Yeah. Sounds awfully close to Menoth, but Menoth is a different kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like I kind of I kind of think more of the cult in Silent Hill, the movie. Not necessarily the cult from oh, no. the games, but yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> so how do we want to approach this, gentlemen? Well, if it's up to me, I'd say directly from the front. With our weapons drawn. That's why I like you, Lapak. You take a good direct approach where I wouldn't. Thanks. You know, maybe maybe you start off at the front and I'll uh, come in closer to the side. I was waiting I'll for you to say something straight. like that. So I'll uh, yeah, I'll walk o- up from the cart and I'll just have my uh, my wrench in hand and I'll silently and menacingly walk towards them. Silent. 
and menacing? Like, Correct. like, right. a, Jason, silent, like a Jason silent. Voorhees? Uh, oh, wait, how, sure. how big is Lap Hack? How big is Lap Hack? How big is Lap Hack? How much bigger is yeah, he than that's the that's average? That's, so I'm going to say, is the average like six foot? Are we going with like an average, you know, 5'11", but we call it six foot kind of thing? Is that, <laughs> is that the average? <laughs> um, maybe, maybe a little shorter, but okay. but definitely okay. Grawlians, you know, we kind of, the whole idea was their tougher environment has made them just bigger in general. Right, right. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm just going to see if I can just push it. I'm going to say, like, you know, 7-2, like 7, yeah. seven foot tall. <laughs> but, like, like ba- basically, basically, I want to be um the, the, oh, my God, what's his actual name? Oh, it's like, it's like the Scandinavian guy from, the, that was the, the, in Game of Thrones, the mountain, Hathor? the hill. Hathor Bjornsson? Yes. Yeah. Bas- that. Basically, that compared to a regular human, like seven foot, three hundred. Not like super muscular, but like that. Like you know, you, you're just naturally the, wider because you're taller. I mean, you, you correct. Your frame the, the, has the kind of advantage. like right, like the the does manual labor kind of muscular, where it's just like you know, I'm not I'm not hitting the gym, but like I might as well what because is, I do that. What does Pat Oswalt say? A, a bicep with a penis and legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> he talks about powerlifters. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like not a powerlifter, but just like a big dude, just a big meat gotcha. c- c- circle. So I know. will say, let's go ahead and make this a brute roll against one of the enforcers. Perfect. Okay. And then I'll say you can add your wrench. <laughs> there we go. What, what I mean by silently is, uh, you know, I'm I'm not like screaming and charging at them. I'm basically just walking up, like I'm going this direction, and you're in my way. I'm gonna start windmilling you down. my arms. Yeah. And if you I will hit, chop you down. It's your fault. Like you see the path that I've just carved through that scrap. You're no different. You're no oh, different. No. Uh, okay. All right. Two uh, d six. Yes. Rolling. Oh wow. Uh, a six and a four. Ooh, big rolls. We doing it. Plus plus I have a two in brute and with my wrench that's a three. Dear. So is that thirteen out of twelve? Out of twelve. <laughs> So, I mean, 12 is just the highest you can roll, though. So. so I kind of designed these guys to be weenies. So yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Laphack, you, you just walk up to these dudes and they don't even notice you at first. Like, it's really weird kind of how yeah. much they don't even seem to notice you. So you kind of start to approach the one who has his back turned to you and you, you see the other guy kind of like start to look at you and the one who has his back turned, you hear, what the fuck? Right before, bam! And just an Indiana Jones style punch <laughs> as Laphack just floors this enforcer just with one punch. He's not even using the wrench. <laughs> bam! Knocks this dude out. And the guy of the other gas mask goes, Oh, jeez! Oh, he and he picks and he picks up and he's just walking back from you at this point. He doesn't want to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> and you see the other veiled individuals and they look up and they see what happens and they all put their uh shoveling tools down and begin to look at you and just oh we're not we're not with them we 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 don't we don't want to fight we're not like just just I, take, I take what it. you want and they're they're kind of still on their knees a little bit and but they're kind of like backing up and scooting away from you a little bit 
like just to really okay. show a a submissive attitude like to the point where they're not even trying to run away from you they're just like take what you want go like we're not with these guys cool and then r- real quick metagame for the for the group just to kind of determine where we're at so i, I guess to you guys what what kind of morality does our group have is it i mean i know i'm newer to it so you guys are more of the defined group but what what does uh, your morale compasses directed you towards lately my character is uh thinking like get paid get laid get gatorade sort of character <laughs> <laughs> my man get paid get laid gatorade <laughs> no he's a, he's a businessman and anything that gets in the way of business is um a problem okay uh, and is specifically, like thieving, like did it, where, where, what, well, where does Adrian draw the line? Does he draw the line? Uh, you haven't seen that line yet. Okay. okay. He, right. he, if anything, like if it involves children, he backs off. It's like you, okay, like it, okay. spawn killing is stupid. Come on. Right, right, right. Okay, and then yeah, so Chris, where are you at on that one? Yeah, so like, like the. I'm saying Cooper is just kind of like 17, so he's like really young. He's been pretty sheltered, and like as much as he does not care for the monastery, I think he's still kind of like been influenced by it in the sense that, you know, it's just like dealing and whatever, like kind of still feels a little bit weird to him, but he's willing to do it because it's the way of the world. Gotcha. But like, I'm going to say he hasn't killed anybody yet. Oh. But if somebody else does, it's just like, well, it is what it is. Right. Okay. Yeah, but he hasn't really drawn blood yet. Interesting. Okay. And he's kind of like, again, he's just kind of like following mostly Adrian. You know, like, it's been working right now, and he hasn't really been turned off yet. Okay, cool. All right, sweet. Well, then, knowing that, jumping back into what you were saying, Derek, I will uh, kind of survey really quickly. Just to see, is there any like super high value thing sitting anywhere near that pile of people and stuff? I would say if, that I could like. If you want to take your eyes off of them, you could make a skulker or erudite roll to look at this location. Now that you now that you are at it. Okay. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Like. Yeah. I. I guess I would. I. I I'm kind of interested in like basically like just to the immediate area around them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'll do that, I guess. So what is it, erudite or skulker roll? Yeah, just because um, uh, you know it kind of skulker seems like kind of the survival role of Dungeons and Dragons, and then erudite definitely seems like it might be more of the investigation kind of situation. So, okay, so I would uh, argue I'll make, either is is fine. Okay, I mean I'll make skulker, I guess, because I have a point in that. So sure. That is wow. Uh, ten plus one, so eleven. Can you guys roll low, please? <laughs> yeah, I uh, not not on game one, dude. Come on, don't worry. <laughs> that, that'll not. come that'll come in clutch when we're hanging onto a mountain or something. Well, that's that's why I picked a system. <laughs> that's why I picked a system <laughs> where you guys do all the rolling because I am notoriously shitty at rolling, which makes my GMing <laughs> always. Very, they give me very pillow fisted characters. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so 11. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you, you kind of, I'm going to say lap hack. You, uh, the other two, you see this happen and notice that you aren't even going to go into combat, essentially. Like, lap hack has destroyed this situation, more or less. And he's now begun to look around and, and dig. But not after kind of giving one of those, uh, you know, pump 
pump flexes to the to the other enforcer and he kind of like falls on his butt and drops his weapon and then just like starts to back away and kind of get out of there. Yeah, to add to more or less his imposing figure, just I walk out with a strut and my cane. Yeah. And, and yeah, like I'll, I'll wave, I'll wave them over once it's kind of you know diffused, so that they can like wheel the cart back over. And then I guess like whatever I find that's of of any value, like I, I don't, I'm not looking to spend a long time, and I'm not looking to be super thorough. I'm looking for like the, you know, where they like, you know, I don't know, is there like a box of iPhones or something like that? You know, like an easy, easy grab. So, and so I'll... I will say you kind of start to pick through a little bit, and you find a shiny thing that the acolytes seem to be digging at okay and it's it's pretty small it fits in your hand and sure does as you kind of take a look at the area you you notice something that's a 13 to you in particular lap hack and that is a nice chunky white painted piece of the outside of this plane that is still intact you said a 13 to me? What does that mean? So I would say to lap hack this this big piece of scrap metal, this big sturdy piece of scrap metal is something of high value to lap hack. Okay. If that makes sense. And then and then also yeah. you have this thing that you found that the acolytes were digging up. Cool. I will I will grab those two things then and begin to just load them onto the cart that we have. And then I guess once I've done that, I will uh, just turn back to the group of people, the acolytes, and I will, you know, just say, "We aren't uh, going to run into any more trouble along the way, are we?" You don't. You don't even get a response. Like they, they finally have noticed enough that you're, you guys aren't like, not that you aren't threatening, but you aren't threatening in that, in the, like, in the sense that you are an immediate danger just right. just more so that like right. if they were to start something you would end it <laughs> so they they immediately just pick up and run once they kind of start seeing other people and you say you know and you ask them if they if they're going to cause trouble they just they just pick up cool. and you hear the scurry of of uh, shoes and sandals as they as they just book it cool and then uh, I'll look back to the group uh, looks like our problem is solved all right. Did they pick up the other enforcer, who was kind of like one of those knocked out? Yeah, he's just snoozing. <laughs> All right. Okay. So then uh, Cooper will like walk by, and then he'll just like give a Get lap pack and pat on the back, and then Cooper wants to take the veil. The two enforcers were wearing the gas masks, the ineffective gas. Oh, okay, masks. he wants to take the gas mask. Okay, he wants to take the gas mask. So you you begin to take this off of him, and I want you to make. Either a skulker or erudite roll. It's all the same. You guys watch as Cooper begins to take this off, and as he begins to unlatch from the back of this guy's head, and there's enough space created to not have a seal on his face, there is a black roiling of miasma that begins to seep out of this mask. Uh. So let's. How well did you hold your breath? I have a four and a three. That's a seven. And I got a one on skull and like a total eight. But mm -hmm. kind of like as the miasma is coming out, um, this doesn't have to contribute to the roll at all. But I want to say the lantern, uh, the moss inside is kind of reacting and it starts to oh. just like flare up just because the uh, concentration is going up. So, yeah, 
Yeah, I would I would say being, you know, being on edge and having the lantern flare up a little bit gives you and then kind of noticing the details gives you enough time to back away as there's this initial burst as the seal is broken. And you notice that this gas mask on the mouth part is a tube. And that kind of like trunks all the way to a pack that this guy has that you can kind of assume is some sort of container of this miasma that he's using in order to survive out here. Oh, interesting. They, so, like, they they need this. I just said my character doesn't kill, and he's taking this life support of the fucking uh, <laughs> Niles cultist. So it it won't kill him right away, but his quality of breathing is going down. Okay, so I'm gonna. So he won't he won't die. I would I would say maybe even with the erudite role that you had previously, Cooper might Cooper in particular might know that like these guys are still you know, from this planet, they still breathe this air. There's just something about the miasma that gives them a little bit more invigoration at this point. Oh, okay. Can I make, like, another roll to, like, try and close the valve and then just take the whole thing off? Yeah. I would say with the with the Skulker roll that you gave before, you, do you just want to detach the hose and take this mask, or... What, what do you mean? Or do you just want to take his container? Now that there's the container, I, I thought it was just a mask. <laughs> like, he has, uh, he has yeah. like, you can see a messenger bag almost where this, this trunk goes into. Okay. I'll actually turn around and ask you, hey, you think there's any value in uh, having one of these with us? The body? Nah, this uh, gas mask. The loony gas they're breathing. Oh... I don't know, honestly. I think I would need to run it by my channels again. I'm not sure if there's any bounties on the Nile around here. They they usually stick to the north, and I don't know why they're so far down here. If anything, what's known is that whatever they have in that canister is just miasma. And however they live with it, they're they're addicted to it. It's not, it doesn't do much good to anybody else, but... Seeing as they have it all bundled up, and maybe it's worth something. All right. Do through like actually to the GM now. Is there a, a bounty for Nile? I would say that cult of Nile members are more of a don't approach situation. However, that having the having one of these tanks is just something else that you can sell more or less because there are. People, there are maybe citizen or previous citizens of Ninoth that maybe have to rely on it a little bit that aren't quite as crazy or things along those lines. Okay. Doesn't the miasma make them crazy though? Yeah. So they're just full on caked in the crazy, but maybe, maybe the reliance on the miasma is more of a defect. And so maybe. Some people only have it a little bit or something along those lines in the city. Oh, like so people difference... like people on oxygen or something like that. Yeah, I was about to say the difference of like needing a puff versus needing oxygen. Yeah, more or less. Okay, All right. All right, I'll just uh, go ahead and take the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, so you know this guy will have trouble breathing, and he'll probably run to the nearest cloud of miasma that he can find, but he he'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. My reaction, I guess, or my response to that would basically, you know, be, uh, yeah, never, never, 
no reason to leave anything that might have some value to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, worst comes to worst, uh, if we need to make yeah. a campfire, I could just use the miasma. True. Well, that was oddly successful. Good job, Lapack. Good job, Cooper. Many thanks. Team effort as always. Way to go, guys. A few more of these, and we should be doing pretty well for ourselves. Uh, actually, I'm I'm trying to dial in my accent too. I know. I don't know. It might it might take an episode or you know six, but I I appreciate the effort. You guys are doing awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to do Southern classy, and it seems like he's trying to do Southern drawl. Yeah. I I just I feel like I literally just heard your Southern. I'm just trying to do like a deep. Kind of, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with yeah, it. Like That's a plodding just, voice. Yeah, I hear laughing, kind of just plodding along. Yeah, just like I'm, I basically sound like a horse's hoof just walking along. The... There you go. There a you lot, go. A lot, a lot. I smoke a pack of Marlboro Reds <laughs> and I will punch that feller's nose to the back of his head. There we go. <laughs> I'll be boop. Does this? So, what did this gentleman have as a weapon? So you can see that there is these guys were carrying similar to what lap hack uses as a weapon. So these guys kind of just had haphazard tools that they were converting. So you see one of the guys had maybe what's the remnants of a baseball bat, but with some schmuck nails put on the top. Yeah. Or nails and glass. You can kind of tell is, has been centered onto the top. And then one of the other guys had a shovel. Oh, nice. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) Not that character. Not that character. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, Tyler played a character that famously had a shovel as a weapon in a, a previous campaign. Yeah, and I, as much as I love that character, it is now sort of a joke pointed at me, but I also try to live it up as well. <laughs> oh, man. If you don't pick up the shovel, I'm going to pick you up. I, I think I'm going to pick basically. up the shovel at the very least. Yeah, you got uh, I'll pick up the shovel and I'll put it in our, our pile. He's picking I up the shovel. He's picking up the shovel. <laughs> and so it begins. Anyways. <clears throat> man, I really feel like a paladin right now, Derek. I think I'm going to change Weird. over my... Um, <laughs> All these skulkers are really not doing me anything. I think I'll go brute and erudite. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So homeboys knocked out, and the four other ones ran away. Yeah. Yeah. You def. You can tell that this isn't. These guys weren't super tough to begin with, sure. and then yeah, you guys just kind of rolled along and laid claim to what they were uh, attempting to dig up. Uh, nice. Yeah. And uh, what did you find down there with them boys? You found something that you like, which is the big painted chunk of it, and then you found what they were looking for, or found what they were digging at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, if I'm being honest, I don't quite know what I'm looking at, but they, uh, they were, and so I figured there's some value there, and then I'll, I'll show, I'll show you guys what I was, what I was taking a little cheeky peek at. Yeah, so as you guys begin to walk back along, Lapack hands you the small item that he had. And as he begins to take the wagon again and you guys start heading to the city, you take a look at what appears to be a golden bracelet of some kind on this. What you would assume to be the center of this is a large circular black piece of some kind that has a piece of glass over it that has been cracked. Oh, interesting. Okay. Hmm. That's this is a. 
fine little piece of jewelry. You can tell, yeah, that it would it would look nice on somebody or maybe sell for its its worth in gold at the very least. Nice, cool. All right, then, yeah, that's that's I, that's what I will reveal. They're coming an awful long, far away, unless there's just pockets within this continent for a shiny little piece like this. And I have a curiosity whether or not this there's more to this little bracelet we have here. Well, I can't can't rightly say if it's this bracelet or if it's just something that they're looking for in general. But well, you never know. We're we're making our way back to the city. We can always find somebody who knows their worth when it comes to looking at things. So that's probably another dollar for another day, though. Yeah, I'd say you're right. Yeah, and then that that'll. Yeah, we can go ahead and cut to again. I guess to use a metaphorical camera, I guess it cuts to a wide shot of the city, and you can see a sprawling industrial just maze almost. It's multi-leveled. It's circular. Just scrap and natural resources and what the mechanics and wizards who originally made the city could do but you're you're looking at a a lot of cramped living situations with circular kind of marketplaces here sprinkled here and there uh lots of places to get lost lots of alleyways to make deals you know it's while it is this nice and thriving symbol of just the ingenuity that everyone had to work together in order to survive the miasma, it is also a thief's dream. And by extension, you guys are meeting the very pickpocket that is your contact. You guys are meeting with Saul. So I would say that after a nice sprawling shot of just bustling individuals all over the place you know children playing people arguing over the price of synthetic meat or whatever (laughs) you know just people airing out laundry just this nice sprawling city with its with its little pockets and guts that people who are in the know it you know they know if that makes any sense but you find a nice railing that was built in order to kind of wall in one of the sections it so if you're kind of looking at one of the circular markety areas there's almost a balcony around the whole thing that kind of keeps some of the more residential type areas at bay or at the very least if you're going down to the market you're going down to the market versus this other area Mm -hmm. so you find saul leaning on one of the rails for this as he overlooks the city individuals as they kind of meander about and he has some kind of large bug on a stick it seems to have been roasted and covered in some kind of seasoning but he's already just throwing it back and you guys you guys come up to him do you just greet him or or you know give him a pat on the back or he he doesn't he doesn't really seem to have noticed you guys in the in the noise of the city. Girl, game signs. Saul, you old bird, you watching over the city once again? 
and he turns around and you can see that he's definitely lost the stick. <laughs> he's just what? <laughs> and then eventually just and you see the stick fly over the railing <laughs> minus the entire bug as he um, begins to kind of like mess around a little bit near his beak and Saul turns around to look at all of you guys and oh kid I haven't seen you in a while. How'd it go? And he uh, takes a look over at Lapak, you know, kind of leans over in order to look past you. Not that he necessarily has to to see Lapak, but he seems to be looking at the wagon a, a bit more so. And he says, oh, that looks like a lot of good stuff. We could probably take that to the boss. That's what I was hoping. We had a good old rousing scavenge today, and it seems like we got something worth our time. And we, we hit a road bump, but nothing to really speak home about. Oh, good. Well, you got anything uh, in particular? He definitely likes gifts a little bit more up front. He, he likes gifts up front, is that what he said? He, he likes tribute up front, you could say. Oh, well, uh, I did find this portion of the wing right here that I think would be a mighty fine piece of scrap. And he uh, actually walks over to the wagon and he makes a few hymns and haws and he kind of bends over and he takes a look at the piece of scrap and you can hear his, his fingernails as he flicks it to make sure that it is a pretty hard piece of aluminum. Why don't one of you guys make a erudite roll to sell this to Saul? I would say lap hack since you brought it up. Maybe, maybe this is on you. Yeah, I could do that. Trying to think if I'm gonna. I don't know if I want to tell him about the bracelet or not. You don't have to just yet. If you if you do this roll well, maybe you can sell them on the big piece of scrap. Yeah. All right. We'll see what we got here. Here we go. This is where I don't roll well. Oh my god. Well, I guess it's not bad. A one and a six. Oh, well. Oh, and erudite. I believe I have one in that. No, I don't. I have zero. Tattle. Seven. He leans back up and gives another. Hmm. And uh, says, well, it certainly looks like it could make good armor. I don't know, though. It might take more than one piece, but I suppose you guys did bring a whole wagon. So let's uh, let's get going, shall we? You know the way, my friend. So Saul begins to lead you through the city, and he takes you down a flight of stairs until you're kind of more at floor level, and then into an alley until eventually you reach kind of this large set of double doors, almost a, almost a freight elevator. How they close horizontally rather than vertically, I think, or no, yeah. they've closed vertically rather than horizontally. I know my, I know my things. <laughs> and Saul, he kind of, he kind of gives a look around to make sure that nobody's looking. If anyone else wants to make a skulker check to help Saul out. Sure, why not? I'm good at sculpting. It's a five and a two, so that's going to be a seven, nine. Okay, yeah, you take a look around as Saul does, and you can you can kind of tell he's being a little bit overly cautious, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You're kind of used to Saul being a bit of a jumpy individual at this point. I'm used to living that life. <laughs> yeah, and so he puts his he puts his shoulder on the door and kind of uses it to drag up on the door and then uses his foot to drag down on the other side of the door. And mm -hmm. it, it gives, he kind of has to, you, you hear him kind of give a, 
as he moves the the slightly rusted door until there's enough for everyone to kind of bend down wrestling ring style and just get in. But he has to, you know, kind of keep moving it until the wagon can get through. <laughs> but and then I'll kind of just look at him. I was like, hey, you're looking kind of old there, Salt. You okay? You know, kid, you're lucky I like you too. And he's just like, <laughs> and he eventually gets the door open after a bit of a sweat and a little bit of assistance from Laphack. Only one foot, though. So, you know, he, he loosened it for him. <laughs> yeah, gently. I like open the lid and then put it back on so you can. Right, right. So Saul the magician leads you guys through what kind of turns into it's it's a pretty wide hallway, but just kind of turns into a hallway. And you make your way through, and very sparsely there's a door on one side and then the other, and then sparsely again a door on one side and the other. And you go through this two or three times until you reach um a pretty end big warehousey tenant building not really quite sure what to describe it as but it's it's pretty dimly it's pretty dimly lit by the time you get to the back of here there's not a lot of light coming from the door especially after Saul eventually gets it shut and you guys get to a door that he leads you to on the right a little bit more so and you guys can already hear the fleshy thud almost like when Laphack punched that enforcer earlier, but this is more at a steady just somebody getting tenderized. Oh, Saul, um, kind of puts his head down for a second to hear it. When Saul puts his focus on things, he does have a bird head, so it does look like he's not looking directly at you, but he is just kind of moving his head to the side so he can get a better look at you, or moving his head to the side so that he can put his ear hole up to something. He listens for a second. He says, oh, it sounds like the the boss is pretty busy, but he might be in a good mood already. So I think we're okay." And he kind of gives you a little hand signal and then begins to open the door. The thudding stops and inside there is fuzzy lighting, to say the best. It's it's not dim. It's just sort of that yellowy color of of just kind of shitty lights. Sure. And you you look in and there are three men all not as none of them as large as Laphack, but definitely similar, just meaty builds of individuals. Two of the guys stand behind a chair that has an, another individual that you can't tell who they are because they're tied to a chair and have a bag over their head. The last standing That's individual weird. is in a very nice suit. It almost seems to be a relic from the past that has been maintained. And so he he turns and Saul, you know, instantly kind of gives a kind of a kind of a wave to this individual. He looks pretty human. He's pretty big for a human, but the most standout features that he has are a an oily greenish tone to his skin almost and you can see that where a mustache would grow on a normal individual large catfish type barbels hang almost all the way down to his belt Saul says uh uh hey boss how's it how's it going today and this individual takes a towel off of their shoulder and begins to wipe away at open knuckles 
He says, oh, don't you worry about that, Saul, just taking care of a couple of deaths. Saul, you can kind of tell he's starting to sweat already, almost, between some of the feathers on his head. As he, oh, well, I hope you don't treat every debt that way. Uh, I think I still owe you something. And the boss gives a nod and says, well, certainly you do. Now don't you, Saul. And Saul just kind of mm-hmm. freezes for a second. And <laughs> and uh, the man gives a nod at you three and your wagon. and says, are uh, these the three scrappers you've been talking about? You can't seem to stop saying that this one, I think, is uh, your protege, as it were. And Saul looks at you and says, oh, uh, yeah, this is this is Adrian. This is, you know what? Actually, he's kind of got a name like yours. This is Adrian LeBeau. LeBeau, me. And then the guy stops him and just says, do not, do not speak my name. And Saul kind of freezes for a second and he says, oh. You know, he's got a good point. The less you know, the better. Anyway, uh, this is Adrian. Uh, the the big wrench is uh, Laphack Wound Fist, I think, right? That's correct. And the last one's one of them botany kids from Castigian. His name's Cooper. I don't know. I'll just like take a small bow and uh, cross myself or something. I don't know. I'm sure there's some kind of like oh yeah, if thing. you want to come up they with do. like a like and a hand symbol like... or something. <laughs> yeah, and I think like Cooper is enough of a punk where it'll just change all the time, <laughs> and then he's just gonna fuck with people. But like for now, he's probably just gonna use like the actual one because he's like, oh yeah, dude, this, this guy's a. I don't really want to screw with him too much. So he does something that kind of like signifies he's just like a member of the botany priest is like a pleasure to meet you. Well, well, what a talented little crew you've gotten, Saul. And he says, yeah, uh, I think I call him team 23, but I'm not sure yet. I don't think, uh, they're quite registered. I don't know where the paperwork has gotten. The paperwork is fine. Saul. Now I brought you here to talk about deaths. Now, as I see it, you and this crew owes me quite a bit, even if they don't know it yet. And so does this one. And uh, he leans his head over to the person whose head has just begun to slump down and they start moving at this point. Right right when he says that, I, I want to interrupt. I, I'll, I'll, as soon as he says, you know, and after, after referencing that we also owe him a debt, uh, you know, well, I, I got to stop you there, sir. I make it a point to make sure that I'm uh, privy to any deals that are made on my behalf. And I must tell you, I don't believe there's been any deals made on my behalf. Well, last time I see it, I have a crawling in exile in my midst. You aren't exactly easy to hide. What? Well, I'm not hiding. Says you. And he, Says me. he looks over to Saul kind of with with a bit of a glare and Saul doesn't like flinch necessarily but just kind of like pays a bit of attention again and (laughs) he says anyways speaking of moving debts I uh, have a bit of a job for your team and he looks at you and says gentlemen if uh, if you will and he kind of gives you a little bit of a wave in order to exit this room 
the two guys in the back kind of begin to untie this individual and in order to probably drag them away to somewhere else. But the boss seems to be done with them for now. And as you guys begin to walk away with the boss, he stops suddenly and he just barely turns his head. He's not even looking at Saul. And he says, why don't you wait here? And then he continues to walk and Saul says, uh, yeah, sure. No problem, boss. And he gives you guys a wave and he says, well, good luck, gang. Real, real quick back thing. Has yes. Saul been pretty good to us so far? Yeah, Saul, like just, just prior to this? Okay. I would say that you guys definitely, because you have someone like Adrian in your group, recognize that Saul is using you. Uh, you know, he's definitely driving a profit off of your guys' group or whatever. But that doesn't change the fact that deep down you can tell Saul cares. Like he okay. wants to look out for you guys because he does lo- he does like you. He does seem to like Adrian yeah. in particular. Then all right. Well then I I'll I'll kinda come forward Trace asks him to kind of stay behind and I'll be like well, I don't know if this'll help, but if I can square up any debt, I, I also found uh this while I was out or while we were out on our last uh our last scavenge, and then I'll show him the gold bracelet. He takes a look and puts it in the pocket on his chest and says, well, that is what I have been meaning to talk to you about, so if you will. And he begins to lead you pretty much directly across the hallway to just a different room. This has much of much more of like a break room vibe almost there's there's kind of like crappy tile on the ground and like a haphazardly built table and some pretty decent some pretty decent chairs okay nice and uh, the boss begins to speak again once he sh- shut the door behind you guys my proposition for you fine folk is that soon here i will be needed at a gala of sorts if you will a nice hoity-toity auction from those those Dofurians. But as I said before, there are some debts that I believe can be shuffled, and I believe yours is one of the points that we should go ahead and tackle. He slides a piece of paper over to you guys, and he says, now I have to represent our little organization to these folks. So if I were to be caught stealing some of the auction items, as it were, or if I were to steal the lockbox at the end, this would be seen as bad for me. Do you do you understand? I understand that every piece of business has to start somewhere, and sometimes your hand doesn't need to be involved if you have hands elsewhere. That might not be yours. I like the way you think, Mr. Lebeau. I uh, can sense a bit of leadership and panache in you. So I'll let you go ahead and lead your team. And whatever may be, may be. I, I won't doity my, my hands at, at, this, at this venture just yet. I wouldn't expect a gentleman like you to, to, to do so. During, during this we conversation, you can see he's, he's reapplying a ring to every finger. Just fat signet rings. Eventually, he does take the piece that you that you gave him, and he slides it onto his right hand or his left hand, and he kind of takes a look at it with the rest of his stones and gold. And he says, "Good find." 
Well, thank you. Hoppock has some good eyes. He's the one that found it. Hopefully you can use those in your next venture. I plan to. Now, how you get there is going to be a bit more (laughs) up to you. I have my own ways of getting there, but I'd imagine being seen together would sell the plan a little bit, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I'll meet you there, but don't meet me as it would. And he kind of, he gives, he gives a little flick to his nose and he gives you guys a wink. Very well, boss. All right. Sounds like we have something that we need to do. <laughs> we will or won't see you there. He gives a nod. And he, he's kind of, he kind of begins to grip the back of one of the chairs a little bit as he nods. And then he gives a wave over towards the door and says, you can see yourselves out. I have a conversation with Saul that uh, I think needs to play out. Even after that gold bracelet, that was paying off Saul's debt. That was like five gold pieces of the 5,000 heels. You know that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's a down payment. Good faith. There you go. And then I'll, I'll just kind of look and I'll be like, make sure you take it easy. I like the bird, man. He's in fine hands. I wouldn't hurt my best informant. Well, all right. And then that then we will uh we'll wittily walk, okay. walk okay. on out. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't follow you and it's it's a pretty straight hallway in this little cutout area, so you can see yourselves to the door. You guys would probably have left the cart in the previous room in order to have everything salvaged and, and get paid. Yep. No, already your flyer. No. <laughs> well you guys will probably get it back at some point, probably the next time you come back. <laughs> It's like missing a wheel. <laughs> He's got it up on dubs. It's like, how did you how did you do that, buddy? On dubs. <laughs> oh god. Hey. Cool. Sounds like we have a mission. Oh yeah, we do. When was this gala? Oh baby a mission. Was it tonight? Or is it a? it's right it's gonna be in a few days, but okay. he's gonna get there he's gonna get there separately. In order to not show off that he's with you guys, essentially. Okay, because it's in it's in Dofer. Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 I got you. Oh, okay. I thought people from Dofer were coming yeah. here, and then the auction was. No, so here. as okay. as you guys, I would say as you guys investigate the piece of paper that you were given. I was about to say yeah. More or less, in instructions on what to look for, and that it's this auction is being led by another one of these. Gangs, I guess, for lack of a better word, these overly philanthropic criminal organizations that are they're kind of posing as adventurers, guilds and and stuff like that. There is one in Dofer and, you know, it's kind of just a lot of aristocrats who don't want to get their hands dirty or whatever, but they're hosting this uh, this event. So you guys got to get to Dofer. All right. You get to get to Dofer. Find out where this place is happening and scope it out. Mm-hmm. It uh, gets swanked up. Some uh, top right. hats and tailcoats. Oh, nice. Size XXX. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to buy this man a tighter shirt. <laughs> there isn't. <laughs> All right. Cool. That is what I had planned. If we want to go ahead and pick up on travel for the next session then we can go ahead and end our session here. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. (laughs) And uh, you have a good rest of your day. Yeah. Until next time. Hey, thanks. Have a good one. Thanks for stopping by.